Yeah. So like, I never had these conversations with my dad about like being vulnerable or how I'm feeling. My upbringings were keeping everything inside mm. until I eventually like lose it or I break down. <laughs> so that would also affect mm. my closest relationships as well, which is not fair to like those around me. Hey, this is Sugar Honey Bubble Tea, a podcast aimed to amplify Asian woman voices through critical thinking and meaningful conversations. I am your host, Ange, and today we're not only talking about amplifying Asian woman voices, we are amplifying men's voices, Asian men in particular. So before we start today's episode, again, we do this every week. Please go follow us on Instagram at sugarhoneybbt. That's S-U-G-A-H-O-N-E-Y-B-B-T. We post a lot of podcast episode related segments every week and there's music, much more. Uh, And yeah, you can see our faces. It will be fun. And uh, please leave us a five-star review on Apple. Uh, It does bump us up in the rankings uh, on Apple and also uh, PayPal us donation to us. It's one of the best ways to support uh, independent creators, uh, especially someone I'm talking to today as a guest uh, is also an independent creator. And also uh, one of the other best way to support us is Patreon. Uh, it's a monthly subscription service where you get different perks. You can get either sticker packs or uh, bonus contents being added on to our close friends. So anyways, without further ado, let's start today's episode. Um, as you can see, it's just me today. And why is that? Uh, because today I'm interviewing our first ever guest. And today's topic is something that Toby and I have been wanting to talk about for a while now. But um, we we don't we haven't done it because we can't do the topic justice uh, because we want to talk about male emotions and vulnerability in regards of race, culture. And it's something that because Toby and I are not men. Uh, so we wanted to have someone who identifies as a man to share their experience and their perspective with us. And uh, today our guest is someone that's a dear friend of mine, very talented and uh, it's someone that I love having conversations with, and I've always had really, really great uh, coffee conversations uh, with this person, and I can't wait for you guys to hear his perspective on this topic. Um, and I would say our friendship really stemmed from our shared interest in connecting spirituality with psychology and sociology and pretty much the overall human experience. So without further ado... Our guest, first and ever guest on Sugar Honey Bubble Tea is my dear friend, Ryan. Ryan Malin. Hi. Hi, Ange. Thank How you, are you? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing great. Uh, this is also my first time being on a podcast ever. So mm-hmm. it's kind of nerve wracking at the same time. So thank you for this um, experience as well. Thank you for being uh, here. Disclaimer, I might be somewhat nervous as well so if you hear occasionally stuttering or me thinking out loud please um bear with me here but anyways i'm um, glad to be on here briefly tell our listeners who you are uh so my name is ryan i am a creative consultant and i am partner 
at an associate studio. Um, basically, I run this studio with my part, uh, now partner, uh, Marzi, as well, which is how I met you guys and your sister. So mm-hmm. basically what we do is we provide um, creative solutions to brands and institutions, uh, like-minded, of course, um, uh, basically what brand experience means is that it's more it's more a full circle whereas we start with uh, branding projects we also do websites as well um, mm-hmm. we do marketing activations th- all that lot and basically my trajectory culminated um, I was uh, in in the states I was born here but then later on moved to this uh, Southern California and mm-hmm. I was I was brought up there and then moved back when I was close to when I was around in high school. And I've been here in Taipei, Taiwan ever since. Mainly your your job as uh, running running and associates yeah. studio is helping brands basically understand themselves. So you better identify where they are placed in the market. So one of the most important aspects of what we do and what I do at our our agency slash studio is mm-hmm. um, we work with our partners or our clients on their underlying strategy, which also means unraveling their core values and who they are as who, who they are at the core. So I feel like it's equally important to find out like who you are, understand yourself in order to help others do the same for themselves mm-hmm. and what the story, the story they're trying to convey mm-hmm. to their market and their audience as well. Mm-hmm. And, and what you do is really, uh, that's untraditional compared to other people in the industry is that you and your partner, uh, bring spirituality into the branding aspect. I would say, I would say so. Yeah. Because, um, one of our core ethos is we look to a brand, not as another product or byproduct of, Mm -hmm. of, of any creations of sorts, but we look to a brand as a a full on universe Mm. where everything we do is about value and without value, without uncovering your brand is basically another brand and it's really meaning meaningless and we don't really work with with brands these days that you know are simply Mm -hmm. doing it to make money or generate income Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense for us or me on a personal note to create another meaningless brand that conveys zero Mm -hmm. value Mm -hmm. and that's why we are here to build these bridges and make warm connections build connections that that people can, you know, have conversations about mm-hmm. and that co- that narrative can be passed on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you yeah. talked about, um, you talked about having to understand yourself so you can do the same for others. And that linking to our topic today, what does, how do you come to understand what emotions and vulnerabilities mean to you? Well, you know, what's interesting is that emotions and vulnerability isn't something i mean it's always been a long stay since we were brought up as children as Mm -hmm. we were like growing up but vulnerability on the other hand isn't something that is taught 
or given mm. to us, but but rather something you figure out like as time goes on, mm-hmm. like as like these experiences that you go through, you discover more about yourself. And but then it also goes back to being vulnerable also helps with you being more emotionally open emotions and vulnerability they go hand in hand and it's still to this day for me a tricky topic because not only because it's a topic that varies from person to person and it isn't something that's seen under the same light and Mm -hmm. so but for me like I'm only able to be emotionally open or available when I am vulnerable you touch on how you were born in Taiwan, but raised in Western, uh, with Western influence yeah. in Southern California, right? Yeah. How, how do you think your culture and race plays into that? It's kind of interesting because sometimes it kind of contradicts with each other because um, being like having the Western sensibilities, like growing up in a Western environment, mm-hmm. we were, you know, our environment was really free flowing growing up and mm-hmm. being in an Asian household, like there were certain specs, basically mm-hmm. restrictions. Or expectations of yeah. what you need to be. Yeah, you mm-hmm. need to you need to have good grades in order to be, you know, someone mm-hmm. or having a certain identity. Mm-hmm. And or an identity being imposed on you. Yeah. But then it was it was it was it was an identity crisis thing like growing up mm-hmm. like should i be this or should i embody both but then like there were there were so many restrictions growing up that i felt most of my childhood and in my youth i was really struggling to get certain things out or t- touch on certain topics mm-hmm. like especially with closed uh closed uh, close relationships. Mm-hmm. Like immediate family yeah, members. Immediate, yeah, 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 for sure. And mm-hmm. um, that's something till this day that I still struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am still learning. But where I am now, I'm extremely grateful and appreciative of the lessons that have been brought into my life and where I'm at now. Because... Mm-hmm. Now at this day and age, like I, I'm, I'm 28 turning 29. Um, it's another, I'm about to enter this new chapter in my life and Mm -hmm. I've become more aware than I've ever been in my life. And at the end of the day, like, I don't really subscribe to what the cultural or collective, you know, consciousness portray onto me anymore Mm. which also means that what people or uh society tells me on a collective level like i don't really subscribe to that anymore because i am now more aware than i have ever been Mm -hmm. so i know that there's a certain amount of existence of um xyz topic Mm -hmm. But I choose to recognize it, but it's also like I'm standing on a platform waiting for a train. But then when that train train comes, it also leaves as well. So very metaphorical. Yeah, it's very metaphorical and very philosophical. Mm -hmm. And 
So, so what do you mean by uh, when that train comes, you're also on the leave as well? So like, there, it's kind of like looking at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, um, you know, reading a book mm-hmm. and, but you are the character in, in that book. Mm-hmm. You can see what's going on and you can see that it's happening mm-hmm. and see that what the content of the books are, what it's trying to tell you, mm-hmm. but you can also choose not to relate with it and sort of detach from it in a way. When you talked about like the cultural sense of what definition of masculinity is, means nothing to you at this point of life. Uh, Can you briefly talk about like what masculinity meant to you when you were growing up in your upbringing, whether it may be societal expectations of you or your family expectations of you? What, What does that look like when you were growing up yeah like did you ever have that conditioning that you need to be the specific identity or the specific uh stereotype of what a masculine man means i i used to like mm-hmm. i say this in full transparency like i used to be i, I used to want to be someone or like when i was growing up i wanted to be a person that would make my parents proud or especially mm. my dad I, w- I would want to make him proud like I would go to, I would go on to study um, English English literature just because he wanted that for me. Mm. Or, but then like he would want me to also become this um, person that would dive into um, economics. Like his expectations like, of you. Yeah, because he is a businessman at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. he would also want that for me because he also grew up in an environment where he wasn't he where he was also struggling like mm. to make money for the whole the whole the whole household right to like put the a breadwinner yeah the breadwinner the mm-hmm. person who would um basically build the house for us and have a roof over our heads mm-hmm. and i used to want to be like that as well mm-hmm. because i felt like mm, that was my upbringing that was how I feel like I would have to sacrifice on, um, on on a somewhat level to you know, to be a certain character in yes. this in this movie or this play. Yes. But nowadays, like growing up, like being being a rebel at heart, like I don't really like, I don't really like to follow rules. Mm-hmm. So like, like even though like I was. Um, studying English literature and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I ended up like failing school um, just because I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to, I I wanted to have a career in design. So I extended my studies. Like, you know how like we go to college for four years, four years. Mm -hmm. I went to college for six years because I was failing school. But then- Because you didn't want to do it. Because I didn't want to like go to school. Like, Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't have to be this- I don't have to have a diploma to, you know, to stroke my ego. In, during your upbringing, and especially in uh, under an Asian household with an Asian father, did you, and you did say that you wanted to be the kind of person that he expected you to be. Did he ever taught you about emotions or how did he view vulnerability 
or how, how, because he's like a male figure in your life, when you look at him or any male figure in your life, when you were growing up, any of that influence you to be not that, you know, how did you break out of wanting to be that person? Cause you said you wanted to do that. You wanted to be that breadwinner of the family or however we, you know, traditionally male stereotypes, you know, operate within like a larger structure of a gender paradigm. And for especially Asian men to be masculine, they're expected to display attributes such as like strength or power, competitiveness, especially towards another man or, you know, less openly displaying their emotions or affections. Like I never saw my dad, you know, being affectionate towards my mom or anyone in his life because he's not, he's so conditioned in his ways to not do that. Right. So if you continue on the road of becoming what your father expected you to be, that would have kind of be what you would be, right? What I yeah. just kind of mentioned yeah. on the stereotype. So how did you break out of that to be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. What inspired you? First things first, um, like looping back to what I said at the very beginning, like mm-hmm. vulnerability and emotions, like freely expressing your emotions isn't something that is taught. So, um, and number two, my dad is like a full on Taurus. So he like, <laughs> he puts, he, he, everything is internal. And you're a Libra. And I am a Libra. Mm. So like, like I don't, I didn't have the closest relationship with my dad mm-hmm. like ever. And it's not a common thing to have a very close, close relationship with your father in Asian households. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very yeah. uncommon to. Yeah. Like it's groundbreaking, like for me to just know, like, oh, this person gets along with their dad. Oh, wow! I know. That's I like, know. That's, it's insane. That's yes, it's mind mind blowing for me. Like mm-hmm. growing up, like I think I look at my white friends and I'm like, how do you, how do you have that relationship with your father? Like yeah. it's it's nearly impossible in Asian communities. It is not nearly impossible. I shouldn't say that as a whole, but yeah. you know, if you're an Asian, you know, like male father like father figures in asian household have this very like on a pedestal they're up here you do and say whatever i want you to do and say so it's really hard to have that kind of like intimacy and close relationship with someone with such power yeah so like i never had these conversations with my dad about like being vulnerable or how i'm feeling at that time and place absolutely you know I think how it also go, it also ties back to like how he was brought up as well, like mm-hmm. how his parents showed him love was through sacrifice and like because he really struggled as a kid and he mm-hmm. really suppressed himself growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as I know, like what my mom has told me about my dad, and so that like my upbringings were keeping everything inside. Mm. until I eventually like lose it or I break down. <laughs> so that would also affect mm. my closest relationships as well, which is not fair to like those around me. And nowadays it's, it's, I've improved. Like I've grown out of that. Like mm. I've become more aware of um, like certain emotions that I'm going through or things that I'm dealing with. Nowadays it's still tough for me to, express them and that's something that i'm still navigating through and maneuvering through mm-hmm. 
So, um, I I like what you said about uh, you talked a lot about your family and. Yeah. For me, one of the biggest thing is that, and not only I look at the family or male figures in my family, yeah. whether it's my father, my siblings, etc. Uh, I also look at the female figures in my family and how they deal with uh, the men yeah. in their life. And um, I was reading this book called "Boys and Sex" by Peggy Orenstein. She's a war-winning journalist, um, and in the book, for two years. Uh, Peggy interviews adolescent men and so young boys and their relationship to sex and the struggle with toxic masculinity, kind of what we just touched on just now, uh, you know, about strength and power and all these stereotypes. And in the book, there's a 2018 survey that um, that surveyed a thousand U.S. adolescents and they found that young men who strongly identifies with male stereotypes were six times and I say six times more wow. likely to report harassing women or harassing girls or, and bullying other boys. And so it really got me to think. And when I look at the women in my family, how they have suffered from the toxic masculinity of the men in their life. And I know this is a very strong statement and I know not all men are like this, but when men don't know how to deal with their emotions and vulnerability, it directly affects the people closest to them. For whether sure. it's men, whether it's other men, their children, their parents, or it's their other half. It's a bit of a struggle for me to watch, especially with me having a Western influence. So what do you think, uh, how does, in your experience or what you have seen, how does the lack of male emotions and and the traditional gender norm of masculinity affects women, either in your personal life or you know, as in the society as a whole. This is a this is a really great question, and this is like honestly, like this is something that I have never thought about. We on this planet, both male, female, or whatever, like societal bound, like these boundaries that mm -hmm. they that were taught these identity identities that were yeah put these 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 barriers or these blockages mm -hmm. like they like they coexist with each other mm. so it's sort of like male and female and there's like this equal sign like mm. in, in between so mm -hmm. if anything happens on the male side it's definitely going to affect the the other side Mm. and vice versa duality yeah it's duality and <clears throat> i've been talking to this um with my with my girlfriend about um how duality is the number two is actually the number one mm. yeah it's just this it's just this thought that i had like a couple weeks back and like if if both people are, if imagine if both people are in, are in like a bubble or something mm -hmm. like somehow someone is going to affect someone some way i think being the black sheep of the house like i always knew what i wanted mm -hmm. and i know the importance of the female character in my life like i've i have many close female friends mm -hmm. so like i could feel their struggles like with their relationships with men, whether close relationships or on a friendship level or their relationships with their fathers. That also comes down to being aware of 
how you treat other people. Male emotions, I feel like, have been suppressed for so long, and I, I, I think it's because of like, due to the recent pandemic. I mean, the ongoing pandemic. Like, people have really sat down with this, with themselves, especially mm. of if you identify as a male. Like, this is the first time where where you really had to sit with yourself and mm. have conversations with yourself. Whereas, you know, everything is coming into light. Like mm-hmm. the, the hard emotions, the like the challenging emotions that you've had in the past where you could repress yourself through external forms, whether it be through alcohol, drugs, work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now like with restrictions, especially like like I'm fortunate enough to not have like, I, I didn't have to go through lockdown Mm-hmm. Taiwan is uh, one of the most fortunate country to not have to go through the extent that other countries have gone through in terms of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. like, if you were out west, I feel like that was. I I guess that was like a really difficult time for people to be with themselves, especially if you identified mm-hmm. identify as a male. Yeah, and especially like the stats. Uh, I mean, don't quote me on the exact stats, but I know divorce rates went up during the the lockdown. Um, domestic violence also went up during the lockdown um, because people either, like you said, were identifying themselves with these external validations that when they no longer have that, they have to sit with themselves and what is really going on inside. It's sometimes a very difficult task for a lot of people who aren't used to that and therefore it be expressed in ways that maybe like you said drugs alcohol violence etc and that's going back to what we were talking about how it affects women and of course men as well but you know vice versa right like how does that toxic masculinity and not being able to express your emotions really affect the people around you um and you can't really talk about toxic masculinity or masculinity as a whole without talking about ego. What does ego mean to you? And this is such a big topic, I know. Yeah. But what does ego mean to you? And how does your ego and masculinity affect your relationships? Ego is just uh, is just the consciousness as a whole. Mm-hmm. So... Um, before, like, if we talk about ego, the first thing I think about is my recent, like, research. And, like, I've been doing a lot of research on um, psychotherapy as well. Because mm-hmm. I'm just, like, so, it's something that I, mm-hmm. like, naturally gravitated towards because... Um, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, we we both are on our own individual, like, spirituality paths, mm-hmm. like, spiritual paths. And... I found it interesting to like to go about it through the angle of psychotherapy and psychoanalysis, mm-hmm. like basically through a scientific perspective, mm-hmm. like through um, through people like Adler, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Freud, Jung, mm-hmm. and all that all that lot, and the. The philosophy that I I leaned more towards to was the Jungian philosophy, where he talks a lot about the ego. Mm-hmm. And so, if you look at the if you look at it from a total perspective, like 
the ego is basically the consciousness before you dive into the subconscious. Mm -hmm. So the ego is your thoughts, your emotions, your this identity of this person you want to be in this reality world. And basically ego being this projection is also something that is an illusion. So ego is an illusion to you. So ego is an illusion, but it's also very, very real. Mm. Because people can also be overrun by ego. Mm -hmm. They can also be, you know, swayed back and forth by your ego. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if, for instance, if you're having an argument with someone, you can be, you can, you can go about it from, the perspective of your ego or who you really are at the core. Mm, mm -hmm. Cause sometimes like I, I find that when uh, I'm going to use couples relationship as an example, when you have an argument with someone uh, w with your other half, um, it's not that you, sometimes it's not about the actual argument or the problem that you're trying to solve. It's really two egos trying to, trying to win that argument is for the sake of arguing and not for the sake of solving the problem. And I've always said like, you know, the, the problem is the devil, not each other. Each other is just ego. So solve the problem together. The problem is the devil, not, you know, not, not the argument. And, um, and there's this thing, I mean, there's this example I can think of where I recently um, I'm going to talk about my emotions now, like as a female, sure. um, that, when I go through these ups and downs of emotional uh, waves and uh, first of all, like you briefly mentioned about awareness uh, earlier, that being aware of uh, your emotions or your identity or how you're feeling, etc. Like I have this awareness now that I can feel that there is going to be a big wave coming, yeah, turbulence. the turbulence coming. Right. And I can feel that first wave and I know there's going to be a tsunami that follows. And so I, how I deal with my emotions is that I let my partner know that, Hey, something is about to come. And I just want you to know, it's not about you. It's not about, it's probably not even about me. It's just this emotion that I need to let it pass. And when it does pass, um, we'll be okay. But, you know, it's kind of like a heads up, like an informing you that it will, um, that, you know, not to take anything so personal and, you know, we'll be okay kind of thing. And I think that's one way when we talk about how ego and masculinity affect relationships or emotions affect relationships, like sometimes it's just about putting that ego aside and seeing it, how it, seeing the problem as the problem is. Yeah. Just recognizing that this does exist. Like mm -hmm. I said, like it does exist. It's just the amount of like how much you want to bring it into that conversation slash argument mm -hmm. because our consciousness is, like I said, is also an illusion, but I'm, I'm not saying it as like an illusion is not real. Like mm -hmm. an illusion, you can still see it. Because it's a collective illusion. I mean, we talk about this a lot, but yeah. that's kind of like a sidetrack, like how society is an illusion because it's a collective. It's just the level and amount you want to bring that in because mm -hmm. it also talks about being responsible for yourself and responsible for like your actions. 
like taking hold, like taking accountability into every single thing that you do mm-hmm. or say, because it's, 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 it, these are conversations that I also have with my, with my girlfriend, um, mm-hmm. all the time. Like, um, like we both know that these aren't, these aren't real like thoughts mm. and emotions. These are just projections. These aren't real. They're not yours. Mm. So learning about its existence, but also unlearning like mm-hmm. it happens simultaneously. And that's very powerful. Like the, the part where you talk about how it's about unlearning and it's also about redefining, I think yeah. how all these terms that we learn to know um, or condition to learn to, to be are just things that, like you said, are illusions and we, it's something that the society has put us on and we collectively all see it as truth, but what is the real truth? And I think that, that gets into a much deeper, deeper, uh, philosophical or spiritual question. So let's end this part, uh, first part of the interview. Um, and as you know, sometimes when I get into really, really good conversations, I do two parts. So this is going to do be a two part series. And next week, you can come back and listen to uh, more uh, about uh, male emotions and vulnerability with Ryan. And I, I love having you, you know, having you have this conversation with you. So where can our listeners find you? Andassociates.com. That's and-associates.com. And our Instagram is and two underscores and associates i'll tag i'll tag all that <laughs> and also you can find me and toby on uh, sugar honey bubble tea on instagram that's s-u-g-a-h-o-n-e-y-b-b-t and you know you can listen to the rest of our podcast on uh spotify apple uh anywhere you listen to your podcast pretty much and please you know if you're very interested in this topic come back next week and we can talk more on male emotions and vulnerability with Ryan. 